I've noticed sometimes when I'm out in the woods and I'm by myself, I'll put on some music. One time I was actually listening to a, a Nightwish song, which is a little bit more metal, but I like a couple of their songs. And I got a couple wood knocks. What's a wood knock? Oh, when, when Bigfoot's knock against a tree? Like, like they're knocking with their fist? Yeah, they're knocking with their fist or with a, a stick. Like they don't do this just willy-nilly. What I find is it's two knocks, and then in the distance you'll hear another two knocks. So they're communicating with each other to tell each other that there's a human in the area. Hello, welcome to Supernatural Stories, the show where you'll hear real stories of the supernatural from real people all across Canada. I'm your host and producer of the show, Cal Goodbaum, broadcasting from Rocking Chair Studio in Toronto. I hope you enjoy the show wherever you are. Thanks for listening, leaving a review, and sharing the show with your friends. It's been a real long while since I've shared any news stories of the supernatural. I ended up getting this full-time job at the busiest time of the year and didn't have any free time left to work on any new episodes. But today on a beautiful day in November, I got that free time, and use it I shall. We'll hear some stories from guests who were on previous episodes, stories that got left on my hard drive waiting for their chance to shine. It's kind of crazy to think about, but it was almost a year ago now that I put out an episode on the secret lives of elves and Urkenrak. I'd spoken to Robin about her experiences with quote-unquote little people, and we also spoke at that time about Bigfoot. You see, Robin is a very active Bigfoot tracker and researcher. She goes out into the woods and makes plaster casts of imprints, looks for hair samples, uses trail cameras and audio recorders to try and build evidence of the migration of Bigfoot. So, what is Bigfoot? Bigfoot, of all the mythical creatures, seems to have the biggest following. Pop culture and the media love to use Bigfoot as a joke for surreal appeal, for horror appeal. The truth is there's a very serious and very real side to Bigfoot, and I hope that if you're someone who doesn't generally take Bigfoot seriously at all, that you'll keep an open mind. Jane Goodall, it is fair to say, is the world's most famous primatologist and the foremost expert on chimpanzees, having spent her entire life studying them close up. When she was asked what she thought about their existence of Bigfoot, she said, I would like Bigfoot to exist. I've met people who swear they've seen Bigfoot. I think the interesting thing is every single continent, there is an equivalent of Bigfoot or Sasquatch. There's the Yeti, the Yowie in Australia, the Chinese wild man, and on and on and on. I've heard stories from people who you have to believe them, so there's something I don't know what it is. End quote. For some reason, modern Western science has a way of acknowledging that there's a worldwide tradition of lore surrounding the Bigfoot or Sasquatch, and yet assuming that these are all just primitive, ignorant people, or drunk and confused. TV specials pretend to scientifically investigate the matter, and then come to the conclusion that really it's just bears on their hind legs, or really it's just people, or Really, it's just the psychology of primitive people to need hairy men. Basically, it's total arrogance to assume that all of these stories have no basis in reality. So what then really is the Bigfoot? The answer to this question 
might have been partly solved back in 1935. That was when part of a skull of an unknown primate was found in a Chinese medicine shop. It was the common practice of Chinese medicine to take fossilized teeth or bones and grind them into powder for pretty bogus medicinal purposes, and they'd call them dragon bones. Countless priceless fossils were ground up into powder and consumed by people as a means of showing status or out of a genuine attempt to treat an illness. Luckily, Ralph von Konigswald found the jaw of Gigantopithecus and then studied it. The jaw was massive, much larger than that of any other primate. Then further jaw pieces were discovered in sites in China, India, Indonesia, and Vietnam. As far as the very sketchy fossil record shows, it's believed that this lost species, Gigantopithecus, goes back a million years and existed alongside Homo sapiens. It's believed to have gone extinct maybe a hundred thousand years ago, but we don't really know. It's worth noting that there have been other species believed to be extinct, only to be rediscovered as still living. We don't know much about Gigantopithecus, but what we know is its size, larger than a modern gorilla, the largest primate ever. We also know that it was able to survive in cold climates, and that it needed a forest environment to survive, with a diet likely composed on seeds and nuts. It's believed that when its forested habitats gave way to more savanna-like plains, that it did not adapt fast enough. However, I postulate another possible explanation. Given a decreasing forest habitat, isn't it possible that these giant apes migrated further and further, just like our human ancestors? When a frozen landmass connected Asia to North America, it could be that a massive migration was undertaken, much like the vast distances traveled today by polar bears or moose. As it went to colder climates, the Gigantopithecus could have evolved, eating more meat, covering larger distances. A primate with a height of eight feet tall is not out of the realm of possibility at all. Until relatively recently in prehistory, there were numerous mega-animals covering the planet, not just mammoths, but also 20-foot-tall ground sloths, armadillos the size of cars, even seven-foot-long giant beavers. Isn't it possible that one of these giants of prehistory remains, but because it stays mostly in forested areas, it avoids detection? Many discoveries of rare animals have required weeks or even months hiking in wilderness to get a glimpse from a distance. When a population of an animal gets very low, almost on the verge of extinction, spotting it becomes almost impossible. When you factor in the cold weather, seemingly preferred by the Bigfoot or Sasquatch, it becomes an almost insurmountable challenge to ever track and prove the existence of one. So with that introduction, here are some stories from Robin about exactly that. And when I was younger, and I actually remember when this happened, because I maybe five or six years old, we, we heard some yelling and screaming, and we went out and we thought maybe it was a, a bit on the pitchy end of it. We thought maybe it was a bobcat, but we could actually hear it, and it, it walked through what we would call the four acres, where four different acres meet. So it had walked through there, and we heard it climb over the fence because we heard it push down the fence with that awful the screeching noises that... Um, fences make and go on up and and way up to the mountain could you hear the sounds of the branches beneath its feet or something well there was more of a trudge sound to it because it sounded like it was in a rush so we could hear it running 
My second Bigfoot counter, I was in my 30s. And it was my brother, sister, and I. We were just in that area doing a bit of squatching. They had sat down on a rock, and I went to check out this great big, huge hollow tree. And now underneath this rock cliff is the creek, and it's a pretty wide creek. I saw one from across the creek, and it was a ginger-colored one and a younger one. And it came, and it got a drink and bolted back off into the tall grass. I hollered at my brother and sister to come and see. Now, they didn't see it itself, but they saw the grass moving through the reeds. Really interesting because there's always the possibility of, of a bear standing for a period of time. But with it being ginger-colored hair, which, you know, immediately makes me think of, like, orangutan, it's nothing like any other animal that you could point to that could be in that area that could be mistaken for a Sasquatch. There aren't bears in that coloration, and there aren't other large animals that could be mistaken for, like deers, which could be close to that color sometimes, are never in the same areas, doing the same behaviors, walking in a similar way. There's no mistaking a deer for a Sasquatch or anything close in that area. Not so much in this area anymore, but it used to be when you would report a Bigfoot sighting to um, a game warden that they would show you pictures of bears and try to convince you what you saw was a bear when you knew what you saw was not a bear. You can see how sometimes there could be certain times, but that would not be a complete sighting or that would not be one where you're able to see it for any length of time and see the behavior of the animal. So it's, it's very clear from things like the behavior from the speed that it's moving, the sound of its movement, and um, as well, obviously, being able to see the face and things like that. There's, there's no mistaking a bear. That's correct. Bigfoots are able to tree climb and go high up into the trees? Yes. I also think they can swim. They'd have to because any animal that has to migrate or cover long distances, especially in Canada, they're going to be doing some swimming. Because they know that particular area that they live in better than we do because mm -hmm. that's their home it would be like a stranger coming into your living room and walking into your couch in the dark they'd know their area it's an area as well with very poor visibility and thick 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 woods hard to go through in parts and if you were able to climb amongst the trees that would be the quickest route to get through the woods out in some places where it's so dense and that would be as well the best way to hide and to look down on everything below you so you can see what's going on because most bigfoot are quite curious they want to see what we're doing too like there's been bigfoot sightings near parks where kids are playing because they like to watch kids play i make a joke uh, i think bigfoot's wondering when they're going to grow hair It's interesting that Robin saw ginger-colored hair in her Bigfoot sighting, which reminded me of orangutans. Recently, just this month, a study came out which showed conclusively that orangutans are cousins of the Gigantopithecus with a common shared ancestor. Who knows exactly what is out there? The woods are not only mysterious, but full of dangers. Mountain lions and bears are a very real threat, as you'll hear next. Oh.
this would be about 23 years ago now. And I went out to BC with a fellow squatcher. As we were going into the park in Vancouver, out on the island, he was talking to the game warden. And I didn't pay much attention to it because and everybody talks to wardens. We went in and he, he was just terrible to squatch with because everything he heard was a Bigfoot. It didn't matter if it was a wolf or a coyote or the wind. It He said, you know, it's a Bigfoot. And you couldn't convince him otherwise. You know, I'd say that that's a coyote or that's a wolf, that's the wind. Couldn't convince him differently. We were in there four five days and on our way out we rounded a corner and there was a mother bear and three cubs and i thought oh crap so i just started backing up slowly and he ran she didn't run after him she came after me and i dropped and i played dead and she rolled me around a few times with enough incentive where I could keep my face to the ground. <laughs> she did that for a few minutes. She actually hooked her nails into my back and pulled me off the ground. And uh, and she went away. Yeah. And then she went away. And she came back and threw some dirt at me. And I made some huffy noises. And then she went away. And I waited. She didn't come back. I went and I found the guy and he was in a tree. Yeah. And the, the bear could have easily gotten up this tree. If a bear can get their arms around a tree, they can go up it. He came down and I punched him right in the eye. And I'm not a violent person. So now I'm just a little bit nervous when it comes to bears. And she was just protecting her babies. And it was actually his fault. All he had to do was just back up slowly and move out of her eyesight so the threat was gone. So if Bigfoot are real, just like bears or gorillas... Why am I talking about them on Supernatural Stories? That's because, in the stories of Sasquatch, there are also numerous examples of the ability to go invisible, to camouflage, to disappear, to shapeshift. There are a few animals science knows about with the ability to camouflage and even change shape like the shapeshifting octopus. I'm not sure any of that could explain the story I'm going to share again next for the third time on this show. It's one of those examples of the quote-unquote supernatural Bigfoot sighting. I'm Cree, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes a lot of these supernatural spiritual things, it, it seems to happen to a lot of indigenous people, you know. I've also seen a ghost, or what looked like a ghost, but now listening to all these stories, I don't even know what it could be. Because first, it looked like a bear, mm-hmm. and it walked on two legs, mm-hmm. you know, and its arms were long, almost touching the ground, you know. Oh. But the thing is, you could see through it. You could see through its body. Where did you see it? We saw it in Prince Albert in 2002. We decided to go for a walk one evening. 
and in these abandoned railway tracks and that you know it was dusk like you know there's still a lot of daylight and we see something moving up ahead in the middle of the tracks and we're moving towards it and it's moving along with us it's moving away and we started to kind of gain distance so we're coming closer to this thing it looked like a bear or something but we could see through it now oh that freaked us out like whoa this is really not normal you know so my wife like what do we do i said well i'm gonna try scare this thing you know so i took some rocks i was throwing rocks you know and yelling at it it was probably i would say now less than 100 maybe about 75 meters from us when we got near it maybe up to 50 meters that's when i pretended to charge it so i went running down the railway track like trying to be this wild human right scared animal and it stood upright and when it stood upright my heart stopped it walked off the tracks and his arms were hanging down so it was just this absolutely weird sight and we can hear it walking on the dead leaves when you say that its arms were swinging low to the ground the only thing that makes me think of is a gorilla yeah, yeah. Oh, his arms were definitely much longer than human arms. And obviously bears don't have long arms like that. Bears can walk on their hind legs a bit, but they don't have long arms at all. This thing was translucent, right? You could see through its body. But then, like, you could hear it definitely walking on the ground. It was shimmering. It was almost like had a cloak on it, a cloak of invisibility almost. Made me think of all these things like I'm listening to uh, Coast to Coast, right? Well, it makes me think of the Bigfoot. The Bigfoot? Some people say that the Bigfoot has powers that it can go invisible and that it can shapeshift. Yeah, you know, I've never thought about that. But now that I'm thinking about it, who knows? You know, maybe there's a Bigfoot. We ran home, told everybody. People didn't believe us. In that exact spot where we saw this thing, Human remains were found there that were hundreds of years old. Hmm. Now they have a grave there, right at the spot where we saw this, this thing. Halloween wasn't too long ago. You probably still have some pieces of candy floating around if you didn't pick out too much. Well, in the nature of keeping Halloween feeling going a little longer, and since I missed putting out a Halloween edition of the show this year, I thought now would be the best time to share this haunted house and ghost story from my friend Stacy. She came to the studio a few months ago to record it. I'll be sharing the rest of her stories soon. I have a ghost story. I think I was about maybe seven or eight years old. And I was staying at my cousin's place. And we would always like share the bed when I, when I would sleep over. She fell asleep, and I, I was staying up late because I wanted to watch Saturday Night Live. It was about 2 or 3 a.m. I turned, like, to my right side, and, and there was this man just, like, standing in front of the bed. And he had scars all over his face, and he was wearing, he was wearing black, and he had this, like, big black hat on. And so I, I turned to my side... Because, you know, I'm, I was like, okay, I think he'll be gone, he'll be gone. And I turn back, and he's still there. And so I, like, I shake my cousin, and I'm, I'm not even looking at him. I'm, you know, looking to the side, and I'm shaking my cousin, trying to wake her up. And I think she kind of, like, gets up and looks, but goes back to sleep. And so the entire time, I, I just couldn't face him. I was like, 
I grew up Catholic, so I was, like, praying, like, saying all these prayers, finally waiting for the sun to come up. And then I, I turned around, and he was gone. But when I told my, my Zio about it, he said that... He, I described him, and he said that that guy comes into his dreams and growls in his ear. Oh yeah, and so they ended up moving out of the house. But I remember feeling, like, the, always this eerie presence. When I would walk by the bathroom, like, I remember once I was waiting to use the bathroom, and just these shadows going by in the bathroom. And they don't have a window, so it's not like it could be trees. And I remember just waiting and waiting to use this bathroom. And I asked my cousin, like, is there anyone here? And she's like, no. <laughs> have you ever heard of the hat man? Yeah. I, this was kind of what I think that I was feeling when I researched it after, like when we had libraries and stuff. Yeah. Hat Man, I first heard about it because someone called me up and, you know, said, have you heard about the Hat Man? Uh -huh. And I said no. And a number of people have told me Hat Man stories. I haven't done a whole Hat Man episode, but they've been asking me, will you do a Hat Man episode? And part of it is like, I think when something becomes a creepypasta, people will say that they've seen it. And then when I ask them about it, they'll be like, well, I first heard about it on Creepypasta. Creepypasta <laughs> is this thing online where people tell short horror stories. Ah. And they, for some reason, they're called Creepypastas. Okay. I don't know where that name at all comes uh. from. But yeah, it's very popular. I, I've never gotten into it, but it's all these stories about like, I think Slenderman became a thing. Largely Slenderman. But you saw it when you were seven or eight years old before you had any context around any of that or any... Have, ha, could before have the internet. That, before the internet. <laughs> before you could have uh, seen it in any films or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Mm. I, I did see one, um, not the hat man, I guess, uh, a few years ago in my apartment right now. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's, it's always at that time, like 2 or 3 a.m. And it was raining. And um, it was one of the rooms upstairs in my house. We had these thunderstorms, so you get that really cool lighting. And I looked, and there's this, this man just sitting at a desk, staring out the window in that old-timey clothing. Very calm. He was, I could tell that he was nice. I, I wasn't afraid of him. I always felt this sort of ghostly presence in my house, but I never felt threatened by it. And so it was really cool to actually just see him and see that he, he was, you know, not causing any harm. He was, he was staring out the window. He was, he was good. <laughs> That's all for this episode. I promise there won't be as big of a gap before the next one. I want to thank everyone who's listening to the show and keeping it relevant and sharing it. I can see that even though I haven't put out an episode in a long-ass time, the number of people listening has not gone down at all. I'm sorry to keep you waiting, and I hope to keep sharing more episodes of the show going forward. I'm not sure exactly how I will do that, because the way the show is done pretty much is impossible to do all on my own while also holding down a full-time job. Unlike pure interview podcasts which require not a lot of research or editing, this show takes a bit of time. If you have your own story to share on the show, please get in touch, and if you're one of the people I was talking with about having on and did not respond to, it's nothing personal and I hope to get you on the show soon. You can send a message on Facebook or to SupernaturalStoriesCanada at gmail.com.
These have all been real stories from real people across Canada. The music featured in this episode was from Northern Haze with Kaina, Blob with Whiskers, Search Party with Bear Attack, and Audionautics with Sneaky Snooper. The rest were original tracks. Thank you for listening to Supernatural Stories, and thanks for telling your friends about the show and supporting a place for the supernatural in Canada. There isn't another thing like this for people to share these stories, and there won't be unless you support it by letting people know about it. Get in touch with your true story at www.supernaturalstories.ca. If you'd like to contribute a dollar per month or more to this independent podcast, go to patreon.com slash supernatural stories. Till next time.